Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we'll hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on knowing God's love. Now here is Pastor Bill. Those bumpers get more exciting every time I hear one. Wow. At least there's no crazy words in there I can't figure out. Thanks, Pastor Jason, for leading us. I want to ask you a question this morning. What's your future going to look like? What's the next 12 days going to look like in your life? The next 30 days of your life going to look like? What's the next year? What's 2022 going to look like in your life? You know, you can choose. And this morning, I want to talk to you for a few moments about how you can be prepared to live the best life, the blessed life that God has for you as his Holy Spirit does work and move amongst us. Thanks for being here this morning. And as you're finding your Bibles, and by the way, in the racks in front of you are Bibles that the children's ministry of this church under the direction of Heather Lewandowski came in and put uh, Bibles in the racks. So if you didn't bring a Bible and would like to use one, there you got right there, the kids. The kids are reminding us as adults that we should be reading the Bible and uh, we should look at the Bible and uh, be prepared for the best life ahead of us. Two of our Portland Christian Center families are feeling the loss of loved ones today. Shockingly, Paula Russell went to be with the Lord this week, Doug Russell's wife, and uh, our prayers were with the Russell family and Doug especially. Uh, Service is still... uh, Pending, so we don't have any announcements there. And then uh, the Carl Meyer family, Lois Meyer and Carl, longtime members. In fact, Carl served on the board when this property was purchased. In his late 90s, he went to be with Jesus. His memorial is on February the 4th. It's a Friday at 1 p.m. And uh, we reach out to them and their extended family. Some wins. You know, Portland Christian Center is getting some great wins. Do you know the student ministries of our church in 30 days raised $6,448 for missions in 30 days? They just did that. So there's this great challenge that was put out by the network leadership, and uh, Pastor Jason rallied the students here, and uh, they came up with that. Another great win is you may not be aware of this, But Paul Lewandowski oversees a ministry that reaches out to street kids who love to skate, skateboard. And most of them have no church connection whatsoever. In fact, some of them you don't even, some of you don't even like them because they skate on your sidewalk. But Jesus likes them and loves them. And uh, Paul is reaching out and they had nearly 40 skaters here on Friday night. He shared the gospel with them, gave them Bibles if they'd like. That's a real win for us here at PCC, so I'm excited about that. And Pastor Chip, you thought all he could do was sing, but last week he preached a great sermon, and we got to hear it when we were traveling to see my dad in Southern California. What a great job. Thank you, Pastor Chip. And tonight, we're doing something that we don't normally do, but I think it's timely in light of what Pastor Jason shared with us this morning. We want to pray for five areas. We've been fasting and praying for the last week, and uh, hundreds at PCC, thousands across the nation have been seeking the Lord this week, and uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7, 60 minutes, we're going to specifically zero in on 
worship and prayer for five particular areas of prayer. I'm looking for 200 people who will show up with me on Sunday night, turn off the TV in the Sunday night football game, put the chips away and the soft drinks, and come to prayer because it's going to change your life. But we're going to zero in on some things that I think are going to help us have some breakthroughs. And as the board just shared, we're believing God for some breakthroughs. That's the announcements from Bill Wilson today. So I just want to share that one. I want us to look at the last book of the Bible, the book of Malachi, or as my, one of my good friends calls it, Malachi. It's actually Malachi. He didn't go to the same college as I did. So there are 12 Old Testament books in the Bible. That's the end of the Old Testament, 12 of them that are called Minor Prophets. Now, this may be misleading, especially to those who are newer to reading the Bible. When it says minor, it's not like the minor league baseball player or the guy that sits on the bench because he's not quite good enough to make the first string. Minor simply means that they're shorter in content, but their message is just as powerful. And I come to the last book in our Bibles called Malachi. And his message is timely about our future. And how can we live in the blessing of the Lord after all we have been through? What does the future look like? Um, And so here you have this wonderful book called Malachi. Lessons that we're going to receive. How can we move through 2022 with the blessing of the Lord on our lives? And this book will speak to so many practical aspects of... uh, that journey. So I hope you will take a few moments to follow me as we read in verse 1 of Malachi. Everybody's got it. Say, I got it. Thousands ring as they spoke. A prophecy it starts out with, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. I want to talk about knowing God loves you this morning. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. That's interesting. That's worth pausing and thinking about for a few moments, so we'll come back to that. And I have turned his, excuse me, I've I've hated, and I've turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins, but this is what the Lord Almighty says, they may rebuild, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord and even beyond the borders of Israel. Wow, that's an interesting way to start a a book. Interesting way to start. So the the name Malachi, I don't know what your name means. Some Some of us would like to, you know, William the Conqueror. Doesn't that sound exciting? Remember, we used to go to bookstores and we'd buy our, our nameplate, which would have some reference to. We have friends who, for every one of their grandchildren, they have stenciled on the wall in their extra bedroom for their grandkids, their names and what they mean. And uh, it's pretty 
meaningful to them and uh, impressive. So, what does uh, Malachi mean? It means messenger. In other words, he's the voice. God downloads a message for God's people. It's been preserved for you and me. Even though this was uh, scripted thousands of years ago, and we read it, and some people don't necessarily embrace the Old Testament, but I want to just tell you, embrace the whole Bible, because there's something in here that is for us today. And so Malachi, the messenger of God, gives us a word that will live to the end of the age, live as long as you live. He introduces to us and introduces to the people of God a new future for them, a future that will include the blessing of the Lord. Now, it might make note of this, that Malachi is a contemporary of Nehemiah. So when you're looking at the big picture of the Bible, you read these books, Nehemiah, remember Nehemiah came back to Jerusalem and found that the city, if you haven't read that, the city walls were demolished. So Nehemiah is looking at rebuilding the exterior, physical, visible side of the city of Jerusalem where God's people were. And Malachi comes as a prophet to declare what God's saying to them internally and spiritually. Does that, that make sense? So you have these two voices, these two experiences, they go hand in hand, and it helps us understand. And Malachi bravely and boldly declares cautions for the Christian, the follower of Christ, correction, and in the midst of all of that, comfort. So his key warning is, this is how you will live into your future. So as we are gathered together here, and we're going to step out of here and go into our future, how can we make sure that we are going in the blessing of God? Now look up here for a moment. I grew up in a small, uh, some small rural communities, and there was a, uh, a, a man in our community named, named Roy. There's, there's Roy right there, handsome guy. And Roy ran the, the feed and uh, supply store for the farmers in our, in our community. Uh, there probably was more than one, but he, he had the most famous one. But he was a quiet, uh, not an imposing person. He didn't run for mayor or anything like that, but he was very renowned, really. I didn't know that at the time as a child, but my dad explained it to me later on that Roy was actually a pretty famous guy. And Roy uh, was quite a football player, and he had gone to the University of California and played football as a linebacker and had become very successful. In fact... His team, USC, uh, actually uh, was one of the top teams in the nation, and they went to the Rose Bowl. And so Roy played in the Rose Bowl against Georgia Tech. And it was a very competitive game, uh, tied score. And uh, so uh, the quarterback from the Georgia Tech team fumbled the ball, and Roy picked up the ball, and he began to run towards the goal line. And Roy was running towards the goal line. The crowd was going wild at the Rose Bowl. And in his mind, this is what he was thinking. I can't wait till the newspaper headlines declare Roy Rollins is, uh, uh, is making a touchdown and wins the game. That's what he was thinking. But what happened next actually 
he'll never, he'll never forget. And I don't want you to ever forget this line in verse 2. Are you with me? Verse 2 says, I have loved you, declares the Lord. I have loved you, declares the Lord. One of the things that's going to be very important for you and me as we move through 2022 and as I look into my future is I've got to always remember that God loves me. You know, a lot of people don't believe that God loves them. They look at their life and they think, how could God love me? Look at how messed up it is. God loves you. And if there's anything that would be good to start the new year off is to remind ourselves that God loves us. If you want to go forward with the assurance of God's blessing, you must start with the awareness of what is stated here that God loves us. I have loved you, declares the Lord in Malachi 1. So Israel returns to Jerusalem after being in slavery for decades. Their city is demolished and been run over by the enemy. They look around in the circumstances of their life and say, does God even care about us? And some of you here this morning in the current state of affairs in your life may wonder, does God really love me? He seems to really love Pastor Rick and Pastor Jason. Just look at their lives. They seem to have it all together. Shower's a blessing. But for me, I guess I must be in a different line because I don't feel like God loves me. Have you ever felt that? You ever wondered why God loves the person next to you more than he loves you? You have to understand what it says. Way back when Moses was leading Israel, God revealed this. You see, we now know that God is love, but you have to understand that the world in which these prophets were writing, people saw God as a monster. They saw him as some kind of cosmic cop who was waiting for them to make a mistake. And even back in the book of Deuteronomy, this is what God says to to, uh, Moses about the children of Israel. He says, the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and he loved them. Let's, Let's read it again. The Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. And here now, uh, many years later, a huge statement is being made. God is saying that he is loves and he is revealing the fact that where they are, he does really love them. And here Malachi affirms that God is love and that he, that's an unchanging fact. I just want you to say it out loud, God is love. God is love. And everybody say amen. amen. Let's do it again. God is love. Amen. That's something that a lot of people don't believe. Your neighbors, some of your neighbors don't believe that God is love. But the Bible says God is love. And here he says, I've declared to you that I love you. And as we move into our future, we have to remember this very important truth. Now they ask a question. (laughs) They ask a question. There's an interesting question here. You'll see. So in Malachi 1, 2. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? So God already knows your questions. God says, I know what you're saying. Malachi is writing. He says, I have loved you. I declared that. But you're saying, well, how have you loved us? Look at the circumstances we're in. 
How could that be your love for us? Let me ask you, when you were a child, did you ever think your parents didn't love you? There were plenty of moments of that. Maybe when they disciplined you or you didn't get something you wanted and you turned and you said, nobody loves me in this house. Maybe you feel that way. I remember one of our children went to Joy and said that uh, they didn't. I, I'll, I'll leave the gender out so you won't know who it is. But he said to us, uh, <laughs> he said, you guys don't love me anymore. I'm leaving. And so he packed his backpack and he went to the door and Joy said, we love you. Phil, um, and uh, I owe him now big time, and he said, you don't love me. Look at all the rules you put on us, and my friends don't have to do this, and you don't love, and so I'm running away. It's amazing how much wisdom comes into a child's life from the front door to the end of the street. So a few minutes later, there was a knock at the door, and guess who was there? And he said, I, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. And uh, I guess you do love me. Please, please forgive me. I, I understand that. Malachi is dealing with a group of people who doubted that God really loved them. And perhaps this morning I feel in my spirit that some of you who are watching online or in the service uh, just wonder, does God really love me? This is a really important question. Does he really love me? You know, I, when I first became a youth pastor, uh, in fact, I told Joy we got an email yesterday from my office from somebody who lives in Bend, Oregon that was in our first youth group. I haven't seen them in 40-some years. And they said, uh, is this the same Bill? Uh, Uncle Bill is what I called you, and Aunt Joy is what I called you. Are, are you guys the same ones that were our youth pastors in Hayward, California? Um, and uh, I, oh yeah, so we, and we corresponded, let them know that we were the same people. They live in the Bend area now. And, um, but I was so nervous. Uh, you, wanna, you know what I was nervous about? Same thing that Rod was nervous about. Pastor Rod, I was afraid somebody was going to ask me a question I didn't know the answer to. Especially the college age students. So I put Joy in charge of college ministry because I figured she would have a better answer than me. I was so nervous. I, I remember somebody asked me a question, and this is how I responded. You know, that's a great question. And in order to give you a good answer, could you give me a few days to think about that? Because I don't want to give you a bad answer. That was buying time because I had no idea what to say, honestly. God's not afraid of your questions. I said that to uh, one of my friends this week who's gone through really a difficult moment. And I called him by name and I said, God's not afraid of your question. So when the children of Israel ask the question here, how have you loved us? God's not afraid of that. God's not afraid of that. And in fact, he outlines a wonderful response. And by the way, although this is a question, it is not a sincere question. It's, it's, a defect, it's a defective question. It's a, uh, it's a question that it doesn't come really out of the heart. But I want you to know that God's questions and his answers are sincere. So even though the question isn't sincere, you've seen this on social media where people ask 
baited question. Jesus ran into this in, in the temple square on a many occasion when uh, an attorney, a lawyer, asked a question of Jesus, and he wasn't really sincere. He was trying to trap him, right? And some questions are not sincere, but God still has a sincere answer. And that's what you find here. And there are four wonderful responses. He says, I have loved you. I have loved you. There's four responses that I want to give you in the final moments I have this morning that I want you just to understand how that kind of love is and what kind of love. He says, I've loved you. What does that mean? First of all, I'd say response number one, know God's love is sovereign. Everybody say sovereign, sovereign. That's a great word. And the word actually interpreted means ultimate. God's love is ultimate. There's nothing compared to the love of God. God's love is beyond even our comprehension. How, how, how he could love you or me. Uh, he does love us. And it says here in verse number two, this is a strange little line, was not Esau Jacob's brother? So Esau and Jacob, 1,500 years earlier, were born. They were twins, twins. Do you know at one point in this church, Portland Christian Center, we had 32 sets of twins? 32 sets of twins. Talk about confusing a pastor. Some of them were very distinct and it was very easy to determine because one was a girl and one was a boy. So I figured that one out, that wasn't a problem. But some of them to this day, if they walked into the room, I wouldn't have a clue who they were. I couldn't figure out if they're twin A or twin B. We had, Jacob, and Esau were twins, all right, you got that? He says, was not Jacob, Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord says, yet I have loved Jacob, listen to this, but Esau I have hated. That's a troubled verse, it's one of the most challenging ones in this whole book of the Bible. Let's be honest about it. How could he love one and hate another? We're talking about God. Doesn't, it doesn't mean that God predetermines. If you flip the coin, okay, you're in, you're out. You're on your way to heaven, you're on your way to hell. That's not what it's talking about here. If you see the whole message of the Bible, that would be contradictory. So there are some, there are some, and maybe you grew up in this environment, who, who believe that certain people are predestined to be believers and pre, others are predestined to not be believers. That's really not the message of the Bible. In fact, as a, a cross-reference, you might put down 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. This is the heart of the Lord right here. It says, this is good and pleasing God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved. See that? All men. That's talking about everybody. All men and women, he wants them to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the heart of God. So we got to go back to this passage now in responding to God's love, knowing that God's love is sovereign. What does this mean? So Jacob and Esau are twins. And if you want to know their story, it's back in Genesis. The Bible says they were even fighting in their mother's womb. I've never carried a child, but those of you who have know that they can get pretty rambunctious at times. And God foreknew, God knew ahead of time that one of them would serve the other. So now we fast forward 1,500 years later, and these names of these two twin brothers have shifted. They no longer represent individuals. They represent groups of people. Jacob represents Israel. Jacob represents those 
who love God, whose God has put a distinctive on them to carry the responsibility of the Messiah's coming and the word of God. So I know this sounds maybe a little deep. I want to just park here for a few moments. Esau represents Edom. Now get this in your mind when you read this text because this will help you understand what it's saying. Jacob represents the children of God. Edom, or Esau, represents Edom, which are people who are distinctly against the kingdom of God. It actually represents the kingdom of Satan. So when you keep that in mind and read this, you understand why one is loved and one is hated. The text simply says, God saw Jacob, who represented the redeemed nation. God sees Esau, representing the resistant nation. And some people refuse to come to Christ. We know that. They choose not to follow the Lord. They choose to reject every opportunity. They hear preachers. They hear songs. They hear testimonies. They hear personal messages. And they have the spirit of Esau. And they reject it. And they live against Christ. They're anti-Christ. That's the spirit of Satan as we see it in Scripture. And Christ calls us to ref uh, and they refuse to come. So what he's doing here is he's helping us understand his love reaches to everyone, but there are some who will resist him. And God loves those who respond to him. And the word hate is a strong word here. It's not like an emotional hostility. It's just a clarity that he actually says, God loved Jacob because he chose me. And he resists those who choose not. It's resisting God. Some of you maybe have resisted God, but I want to tell you, as you move into 2022, if you want your future blessed, don't resist him. Receive him into your life. Receive him into your life. God loved Jacob so much. He wasn't perfect. He even made some bad mistakes. Anybody in here make a bad mistake already this year? Yeah, several of you raised both hands. Yeah, right. We won't pass the live mic around to ask you what it was. So God sees the young boy, he's ornery, talks too much, he's impatient, he causes trouble, he's mean to his sister. Um, his name's Billy Wilson. And God sees that young man and God says, I see what could happen in his life. And that young man kneels down and asks Christ to come into his life. God loved him so much that he had a bigger plan for him than Billy Wilson had for himself. God did not love me for what I was. He loved me for what I could become when I surrendered my life to him. And that is the sovereign love of God. He didn't have to love us, but he did. And we don't love him first. 1 John 4, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. You got that? So ladies and gentlemen, or as Pastor Jason would say, friends, God loves you. And you may say, I don't know. I've been thinking about all this stuff been going on in my life. I'm not sure God loves Portland anymore. It used to be a beautiful city of roses. Now it's known for other stuff. God loves us. But do we love him? His love is sovereign. His love is sovereign. Look at God's character here and recognize it. Now Malachi 1-2, I have loved you. There's a second thing I want you to know quickly. I'll just move along quickly here. God's love is strong. Not only sovereign, but God's love is strong. You need to know that. God's love is strong love. 
It's just not sentimental. It's not syrupy. It's not sappy love. It's strong love. The Bible is clear about the love of God. And he proves that in our lives when he disciplines us. He loves us so much. But he hates things that destroy us. Your doctor loves that you're healthy. The doctor hates it when disease attacks your body, right? We love our children so much that joy would make them take showers and keep their rooms clean and protect them from germs and give them medicines and vitamins and feed them properly because she loved them. She didn't want them to get sick. She hated sickness attacking. So God's love is strong. And the text says in verse 3, I have turned his mountain into a wasteland and left his inheritance to to the desert jackals. Remember, he's talking about Edom now, represented by the name Esau. God loves his people so much, he hates evil that would come to destroy him. And look at Romans 12, 9 as a reference to here, just as a New Testament confirmation. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. That's the spirit of God's love for you. He hates what messes up your life, but he loves you, and he wants to protect you from it, and it's a strong love. So what happens in the believer's life as we move forward in the future, there are things that are going to rise up that we hate because we know it destroys people. We hate it because it destroys us. We hate illegal drugs. We hate pornography. We hate abortion. We hate injustice. We hate racism. We hate sin of any kind because we know it's not God's plan. God's love is much stronger than that. So Joy and I have a couple of friends, and maybe you've met them before, and Dave and Beth Grant, and they've been missionaries uh, for many, many years, and uh, Dave tells the story. David tells the story about being in a hotel, and he stepped out, he saw, heard some commotion, stepped out into the hallway, and he saw some young girls being drugged into a hotel room. And upon investigation, he discovered that that hotel was being used for sex trafficking. I'm not going to reread their story or tell you the whole story, but I want to tell you this couple right here started Project Rescue because they hated the idea that young girls in India were being sex trafficked. And they began Project Rescue. They started with a small little uh, room with one lady, and they started pulling, this is a dangerous business, by the way, pulling these girls out of sex trafficking and getting them reset, redeemed, and protected. Now they have seen thousands of girls rescued. You know this happens in Portland. Portland's been marked as one of the big sex trafficking cities in the West Coast. And they hated that sin so much they did something about it. God hates that kind of sin. He raises up people. That's what I'm talking about when God's love is strong. His love is stronger than the strongest sin that Satan can bring our way. And when the love of God is in our hearts, like David and Beth Grant, we rise up and say, no more. That's it. We can't, we can't embrace that. God's love, understand, brings disciplines into our lives and changes our value systems. And so it's not just a, you know, a, a serpy love. It's a, it's a distinct, strong love. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? I love my kids so much 
that I didn't just hand them the keys to the car and say, hey, drive 100 miles an hour and feel, see what it feels like out on the freeway without giving them instructions and explaining to them how to drive and be responsible and still telling them, I'm putting a governor on the car, it won't go faster than 45 miles an hour, so you can't drive it. Why? Why do we put seatbelts on? Why do we do these precautions? Because we hate the outcome if you don't. And God hates sin, and his love is stronger than darkness. That's what he's saying here. That makes sense? I have loved you. Here, quickly. Quickly. Everybody say quickly. Get to the end of the story with Roy. All right. Number three, God's love is steadfast. Look at verse four. Edom may save, though we have been crushed, Listen to this. We will rebuild the walls. Even though God's wiped us out, we're going to come back and do it again. But this is, what the, this is what sin does, by the way. This is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. The kingdom of this world will not stand against the power of God. And even though for a season we look around and we say, why are people acting so stupid and living so openly in sin and rejecting God? He said, it's not going to work. It's not, some of you know that. You tried it. You tried to resist God. You grew up in the church. You left the church. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going I'm to show God I can do it myself. And comes crashing down. Now, Edom represents the power of Satan. And Satan will whisper into your ear, you're worthless, you're a failure, you can't, you, you made some New Year's resolutions and within 24 hours you broke them all. What kind of failure are you? You don't even crawl out of bed and go to the gym again, ever again, because you just, you're a, a failure. I'm not, I'm going to eat right. No, I'm not. I, this is the weekend. I'm not going to eat right. And, and you're not going to do anything. I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to pray for 15 minutes. And the first two days you forgot. So the enemy whispers in your ear. But God's love is steadfast. And he says, I'll stand against that. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never fails or never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What are you talking about today, Pastor Bill? I'm talking about your future. And if you want to live in a blessed life, you've got to remember that God loves you. And his love is sovereign, his love is strong, his love is steadfast, and let's move right to the, the fourth one, his love is seeking, his love is seeking. Verse five, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel, his love is seeking. So Kim, our youngest, when she was just a young girl in Sunday school here, we got in the car to drive back to the house and as I always did, I said, hey, you know, what, what was Sunday school about today? She said, Dad, I discovered something. And I said, what's that? God loves me. I said, he does, yeah. Tell me about it. I said, how much does he love you? And this is what she did. She stretched out her arms like this, and she said, he loves me this much. Bingo. That's why we get our kids in church Get them into the Word of God. Let some of you teach them out of the Bible and reinforce what we're trying to teach them at home. God loves me this much. His love is seeking. Mine, in verse 11, my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. 
in every place, increase in, in uh, excuse me, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. His love is seeking. So Wendell Larson was an executive in the IBM. And he was making big money, had a beautiful wife named Janet, two kids, a house with a pool and a couple of dogs, a sports car, and all of the things that every young man dreams success looks like, except something was missing. And in his noon hour, he was at a local restaurant, sitting at the bar, having another drink, on the verge of becoming an alcoholic. And he said, there's got to be more to life than what I'm feeling. He got in his car, and wouldn't you know, he drove by the church and saw the sign, and something compelled him to come to the church. And the day, that day, the pastor on call met him in the front office because he said, can I see a pastor? He had a, 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 a Catholic background, he figured that a priest or a pastor might help him. He felt low, even though he had all this stuff. And that pastor talked to him about the love of God. And although he knew mentally the love of God, he did not understand the steadfast love never ceases. And chased, chased him and brought him in. And that Holy Spirit, the pastor Jason was talking about, the drawing of the Holy Spirit here this morning is what, what Wendell experienced that day. And he and Janet became marvelous, solid believers and Christians. People of all colors, people of all classes, people of all ethnic backgrounds, people all over the world. I got a message for you. God loves you. And he's compelling you to come home. What happened to Roy Regals? That day, 30-yard line, the quarterback from Georgia Tech drops the ball, fumbles the ball, and this, this uh, defensive player is standing right there. So what do you do? In a millisecond, he picked the ball up, and in his excitement, he started running towards the goal line, but he was running the wrong way. Roy Regals ran down the field, looking around, and he couldn't see any Georgia Tech players chasing him, but he saw his own players chasing him. He looked back and there was his quarterback chasing him because Roy was running the wrong way. And if he crossed the line, it would be a touchback and they would get two points and Georgia Tech would go on to win. And one of his players stopped him at just the right moment. He became known not as the hero of the game, but wrong way Roy. The rest of his life, running a feed store in the little country town that I lived in, never talked about his football experience because the headlines the next day was Roy Regals, wrong way Roy, ran the wrong way. What's Malachi all about? Malachi is about helping us not run the wrong way. And the way we start running the right way is to know that God loves us. Would you stand with me this morning?
I have loved you, declares the Lord. I'm going to ask our team to be prepared, but if you're here this morning and you want to run the right way, you feel like I need to just recommit my life to the Lord right now in 2022, I'd like you, who would be the first, just come and stand right here. Just say, this is my year. I'm going to run the right way with the Lord. Just, Just walk down here. It'll be a big step for you, but it's the right thing to do. I'm going to run the right way. I'm going to come down and give my life to Christ. I want to surrender all to him. Maybe you have done that before, but you forgot that God really does love you in spite of all the stuff that's gone on. You just like to walk down here and stand here this morning and say, I just really need God to bathe me in his love once again. With your heads bowed, just find the nearest aisle quickly. I'll just give you a few moments. I feel in my spirit that God would like you to just come to the front. There's nothing that will separate us from the love of God. His sovereign love, his strong love, his steadfast love, his seeking love. How will you respond this morning? You come quickly. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just come and stand. If it's one, if it's 10, if it's 15, 20, just come. Somebody's come. Who will be the next? Quickly come. I'm going to count to five and on five, just step into that aisle. One, two, three, four, five. That's it. Just come right down. And now let's just pray. And those of you who've come forward, somebody's going to step up and they're going to lay hands on you. And I want you just to pray this prayer. Lord, I surrender all to you. I know you love me. And I'm going to love you with all my heart. I don't want to be like uh, Jacob. I want, I want to be like Jacob. I don't want to be like Esau. I want, to, I want to have the spirit of love over my life. Give him all the stuff that's been going on. Let God take it today. And now, Father... We surrender our lives to you today. We pray, Lord, your blessing. I pray the love of Christ will overflow Portland Christian Center, that every person in whatever circumstance they're in will remember, I have loved you, declares the Lord. I have loved you, declares the Lord. Not what the enemy says, but I have loved you, declares the Lord, and I accept that as I move through 2022. May this be the year. May this be the year that we see the best and the blessed in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.